and we've been walking through a series called Champions of Faith. And in this series, what we've been asking ourselves is what if, what if some of the, the characters that we know in the scriptures that were men or women of faith, what happens if they were to come down out of the stands and what if they were to walk alongside of us on this journey of faith? Michael, what might it look like? I mean, what happens if, if they were to share with us the story of you know, how they endured at that time when they were so discouraged, or how they overcame when they were at the bottom of the pit, or how they were able to forgive when it was a place that they said, man, listen, I'm, just, I'm not going to do that. Or if whatever story it may be that they may, sh- they may share with us that might be an encouragement, because this is what I know every one of us on this journey of faith at some point in time in our life are going to become discouraged. It's going to be easy to be disillusioned. So what would it be like to bring some of the, the faith characters out of the Scripture onto the playing field with us to walk alongside of us in this journey of faith that we're on? And we've been through multitudes of characters over the past few weeks as we've looked and today we're going to focus on the main character himself a man by the name of Jesus and this is what I think that Jesus might say to us keep your eyes on me keep your eyes on me lots of things can be said but we're going to go back and we're going to we're going to take the Gospels The gospel itself, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, talk to us about the life of Jesus. We get that word gospel, it's an old English word that means good tale or good news. And if there's one thing that the gospel is, it is the good news of Jesus Christ. And so what we want to do today is we want to sort of go back and we want to walk through some of the last statements that Jesus made while hanging on the cross. The seven statements or or seven last words, some may say. There was a a pastor, there was a theologian that wrote a book. And the name of that book um, was How to Live Through a Bad Day. And in those seven statements, he said that not only are they seven statements that we can listen to, but every one of those statements have lessons that we can learn, life application lessons for us. Because that's really what we're looking for. We're not just looking at something we can put up and say, okay, I've got a little bit more information about Jesus, but I need something that's going to help me out. And so when this guy wrote the book, he said, listen, the last seven statements are that Jesus made, there are some life lessons that we can learn. And what we want to do is we want to take that and we want to be able to see, okay, how do I take these, these seven statements that Jesus make and what are maybe some life lessons that we can learn that will help us on this journey of faith? At the end of our time today, there's going to be an invitation. An invitation is a time to respond. It's a time for those of you that don't know Jesus to say, hey, I want to follow Christ. I want to submit my life. I want to humble myself. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, and today I want to follow him. But it's also going to be a time for those of us that are believers, because guys, just because you're a believer doesn't mean you're not carrying something around, right? It's easy for us to carry something around, around from the past, and it's not unusual for us to do this. So this is what we're going to do. For those of us that are believers, there's going to be an opportunity for you to go back to the cross again. To go back to the cross and say, I, really, I realize that the cross is central in my faith, and today I, there's something I need to nail to the cross and leave it. And so at the end of the service, in that, in that invitation time, there's going to be a time for those that are non-believers to respond. There's also going to be a time for those of us that are believers to respond and say, there's some stuff that I just need to get rid of. I've been toting it around too long. Jesus, will you take it? So there'll be some cards here, and there's some hammer and some nails that you can nail it because... Jesus died there so that we might live. And then after that, what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together in a very intimate way. 
not as a group of people, they're all facing and looking at me, but there are four stations, really five stations, that have been set up. And we're going to have an opportunity for those of us that are believers to remember Christ's death and his sacrifice. But before we start, can we pray? Let's do that. Father, thank you for our day today. What a great and glorious day it is to come on that day when Jesus entered into that city, what we call Palm Sunday. Father, we are moving towards the cross, the crucifixion, that which is center in our faith. Father, I pray that today that we would not only read the words of Jesus, but we would hear his voice as he whispers from us, not from the grandstand of life, but Father, as he walks with us intimately on this journey, may we hear his voice today. May it be a life-changing moment as we worship you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The one of the things that we learned, I guess I never realized growing up, we always talked about the cross, but Jesus wasn't the first man to die on a cross. See, thousands and thousands of people died on a cross. As a matter of fact, history tells us that one day, and one day 6,000 men were crucified on a cross because of their rebellion towards Rome. And they said what they would do is they would line those bodies up along the the road so that people would be able to see, listen, let me tell you what, you want to rebel against us, let me show you the pain and suffering that you will experience. But Jesus didn't die because of his, his rebellion towards Rome, but you know why he died? Because of our rebellion towards God. Our rebellion towards God. And in the midst of all that, the scourging and the beating and the suffering and everything that took place, Jesus made some statements. There hanging on the cross, after the nails had been driven into his hands and feet, and amidst all the agony and pain, there were some statements that Jesus made. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a life lesson, and then after that, what I'll do is I'll come back and I'm going to give you the statement that was made, but these are some things that I think that may be helpful to you. And guys, listen, there are other life lessons that you'll be able to hear, maybe today, just because of where you are, the Holy Spirit may speak to you but I think these are really important. Let's start off with one of the hardest ones, okay? Write this down. One of the life lessons that we can learn from words that Jesus spoke on the cross might be something like this. For them, forgive those who seem to be trying to hurt you. Forgive those, other people, even those that might seem to want to hurt you or be trying to hurt you. Anybody ever been hurt by somebody? Maybe intentionally or unintentionally. How many of us here are carrying around wounds or, or pains as a result of what somebody else has done? Maybe, like I said, intentionally or unintentionally. How many of us are carrying around wounds not because somebody wanted to hurt you, but because they wanted to destroy you? Have you ever been a target of some bitterness like that? It's terrible. I mean, in the midst of it, when, you're, when, when you've not forgiven, you can be having a good day, and all of a sudden, in the midst of that great day, the clouds begin to roll in. You can be relaxed, and all of a sudden, you see or you think about that person or what took place, and all of a sudden, it's not just a good day anymore. It's not a relaxed day, but all of a sudden, there's a tremendous amount of anxiety that seems to run over us. And if I were to ask you to list the name of a person that's wronged you, probably most of us in this room today would be able to give me at least one name, and some of you could probably rattle off many names. Because we carry around the wounds. 
And here's Jesus at that last moment with his statement that he makes, one of the first statements that he makes in Luke chapter 23, 23, verse 34, when Jesus himself said this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And here in, that, in the midst of that statement, Jesus teaches us a very important principle. If, they're gonna, if we're going to be on this journey of faith, if we're going to walk on the journey of faith, Jesus said, listen, if you're going to keep your eyes on me, one of the first things that I want you to realize is that you have to learn to forgive those that have hurt you. We don't like that, though, do we? But that's why Jesus came. You say, there's no way that I can do that. I can't forgive those that have hurt me. Oh, yes, you can, because that's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. See, resentment is one of those things that, you, that, that will put you on the sidelines of your faith, where Satan wants you to be. Job chapter 5, verse 2, this is what it said, resentment destroys the fool. Jesus thought forgiveness was such an important deal that he, you know what he said? He said, listen, I want you to make it a part of your, of your daily prayer time. Forgive those. Forgive those that have wronged you. Forgive those. Forgive us our debts, Lord, as we forgive our debtors. Jesus would go on to say in, in chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. If that's true, forgiveness is a really big deal. But let me tell you some things that forgiveness is not so that we don't get confused here today. Let me tell you what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness isn't saying, I agree with what you've done, that I'm okay with it, or that my forgiveness is minimizing your offense. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness isn't, isn't an instant restoration of trust in a relationship. Forgiveness doesn't mean that I have to understand why the offender wronged me. I don't have to understand that. Forgiveness doesn't mean that the offender won't face any consequences. But what forgiveness says is that, listen, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, I'm going to choose to keep my eyes on Jesus because I don't want to be held in bondage by somebody else. So many times when we come to the place where somebody's wronged us, we say, I'm not going to forgive them. You know why? Because if I forgive, then I'm going to agree with them that what they did to me was okay. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is saying, listen, I'm going to respond as Jesus responded. Forgive those, for they know not what they do. And I'm not going to hold it over their head because I'm not going to be bound in bondage any longer. But I desire to live in freedom. How many of us today are dealing with unforgiveness? And as a result, we've taken our eyes off of Christ. Jesus would say to us, if you're going to keep your eyes on me, and if you're going to walk a life of faith, and if you're going to be encouraged, learn to forgive. The second lesson that we might learn from Jesus' statements on the cross, the life lesson of, if you want to be encouraged while on the journey, help others who are experiencing your same struggles. Encourage another person who's experiencing struggles. How many of us have had a bad day before? Yeah. Bad day. And you know what? When we're facing a bad day, it really doesn't matter what's going on in somebody else's life, does it? Because when we're experiencing a bad day, it's all about us. Look at me. Look at what I'm experiencing. And here's Jesus hanging on the cross between two thieves. And the Bible records this in Luke chapter 23, verse 39 and following. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. Remember, there was three that was there. There was two 
there was two criminals on both sides with Jesus in the center, and one of them insulted Jesus by saying, so you're the Messiah, are you? We'll prove it by saving yourself. And listen, while you're at it, why don't you save us too? But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? For we deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. <laughs> to which Jesus could have responded, listen, man, I got my own stuff going on right now. But that's not what he said. What was Jesus' response? I assure you that today you will be with me in paradise. I got you. See, I'm not just thinking about myself, but I'm thinking about you. Isaiah 58, 10, feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness. And the darkness around you will be as bright as noonday. You know, it's amazing how our darkness... The darkness that we're involved in seems to brighten when we take the focus off of ourselves and we focus on somebody else. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. If you want to be encouraged, be an encouragement to somebody else. Third life lesson. Take care of those closest to you. Take care of those closest to you. Sounds sort of odd, doesn't it? But how many times are the ones that we love the most the ones that we seem to hurt the most? How is it that the ones that seem to love us the most are the ones that we tend to hurt the most when we're walking through difficulty? How many of us have had a bad day at school or at work or on the ball field and all of a sudden you bring that trash home? You ever done that before? And it's like all of a sudden, man, where in the world did that tornado come, for, come from? <laughs> it's like, where in the world? What just happened to me? Steve Whitaker, what are you laughing for, bro? <laughs> Steve, Susan's going, I've seen that before. I said that on tape, though, so people could hear your name. See Steve Whitaker and you. Why is that? Why in the world does that happen? Here's the Bible. The 12, out of the 12 disciples, the Bible tells us, man, the disciples left. The disciples left. Here's Jesus in the middle of what's taking place, and the disciples abandoning. They left. And in John, the book of John, it says this. There was Jesus making a statement in reference to his mom while she was watching him hanging on the cross. Here's John, and there gives us a listing of people that were involved and that were standing there at that time. And there was John, Mary, Jesus' mother, looking at him at the worst moment. But Jesus wasn't focused on anything else except the one that he loved. Here he's looking at his mom, and this is what it says in John 19, 26. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. So here is Jesus in the midst of all the agony and the pain of the worst day, the worst day, the worst moment, and he wasn't complaining, and he wasn't angry, and he wasn't bitter. Yet he was being loving towards those that he loved the most. Right there. In that moment of despair, 
He was thinking about his mom. I was talking to a guy this past week. His family lives on a, uh, a very, very minor income. Uh, they were teachers, um, and in the state that they worked, they didn't put in for Social Security, so they're what little bit they have to live on for retirement is, is very, 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 very small. And in the midst of the conversation, he had moved in with mom and dad because his income was very, very small. And I asked him, I said, because his dad's real sick. And I said, how are you going to, how are you going to work things out when dad passes away because of, you know, the things that will take place? And he said, I'm taking care of my mom. Whatever it costs me, I'm taking care of my mom. He said, I don't have anything, but I'm taking care of my mom. I want to take care of her because I love her. What's your response? How do you respond to those that you love the most? Jesus would say, make sure you take care of those closest to you. The fourth life lesson, realize that there will be some things in life that we never, ever understand, regardless of how many times you ask. Hillary had put something on Facebook the the other day about can somebody please explain to me why I can't explain to you why God's the owner of everything and he gives as he chooses it's our responsible to be wise stewards of what God has blessed us with but I can't explain to you why some people that they seem to not love the Lord and, and live like hell during the week that come to church on Sundays why they seem to, to to progress in life I can't tell you why that is I don't understand it but I know that God's in control and I know that all of us at some point in time are going to have to stand before the Lord and give an account. But the, but the scripture says here, listen, there are some times that I'm just not going to understand what's going on. You've asked the question why, haven't you? We don't ask the question why when we get blessed. We ask the question why when we're, only, when we're walking through suffering. I mean, when somebody has blessed you with something, do you go, well, man, why in the world did you do that? You go, no, man, thank you. But all of a sudden we go through life and there's something that's difficult that happens and we're going, Lord, where are you? I can't find you. Lord, do you even care? There's sometimes things we just aren't going to understand. Matthew 27, 46, Jesus made this statement. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus himself questioned. If you've not said it, you will sometime. Where are you, God? We all are going to have the questions. But how many of us aren't satisfied with knowing? How many of us aren't satisfied with having those questions answered? I had someone that asked me the other day, how in the world can you trust in God when? And they went on to share some stories. And I looked at them and I said, I don't understand. I, I, don't, I don't know why why I have a sister who has Down syndrome. I, I don't know why my mom and dad have had to work with this and be at home for the past 46 years. I don't, under, I don't understand why I was in a lawnmower accident. I don't understand why Meredith and I went through several miscarriages. I don't understand why, and I just went on with a list of things. I don't understand those. I don't have to sit and dwell on them, though. There are some times that things in life just aren't going to be explainable. But one day there's going to be an opportunity for me to sit down and ask him all those questions that I have. But until that time, how do I trust him? How do I trust him? 
It may not make sense right now, but one day, and on my worst of days, I've got to be reminded there are going to be things that I just don't understand. Write this lesson down, number five. Be humble enough to admit weakness and acknowledge our need. How many of you have been asked before, man, how's things going? And your response is, fine, baby, everything's just fine. And it's not fine. We have a really tough time admitting our need and our weakness, don't we? We have a very, very difficult time acknowledging the fact that we are desperate. Here's Jesus on the cross, and the fifth statement that Jesus made there was, I am thirsty. John 19, 28, Jesus knew what his mission was and that it was now finished. And to fulfill scriptures, he said, I am thirsty. From a physical perspective, listen, I have a need. Can somebody help me? A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, and they put it on a hyssop branch, and they held it up to his, his lips. And here is Jesus on the cross reminding us that all of us have a time of need, times of need, when we're going to have to have help from somebody else, that none of us are exempt. You know, and if there was ever, ever, a validation for moving outside this to this, it's needs. Because it's easy for needs to go unnoticed in a group this size. And if there's any validation for being involved in a small group or missional community, it's this. Because listen, I, it, small groups are just not for, for spiritual uh, growth, and it's not just for encouragement. It's not for just... You know, hey, bro, what are you doing, man? You're headed in the wrong direction. But those smaller learning environments are a way for us to become real with one another and authentic. To be able to love on one another in those times of difficulty. For somebody not just to know our name. See, many of us know our name, but how many people know our story? How many people really know the struggles that we're dealing with? How many people know the things behind the scenes that nobody else knows and still love us, by the way? And Jesus told us, I thirst. How many of us are willing to admit the fact that we're in need and that we're weak to submit and say, I need you? You know, I need you. I need you. Those aren't popular words, are they? See, the popular side is why well, I don't really need anything because I've got it under control. But Jesus said, listen, I thirst, I need you. The sixth thing, life lesson, know that there is a purpose and an end. Two things to remember when you're having a bad day. Number one, God is at work accomplishing his purpose. God might have created it. He might not have created it. He may be allowing it. But this is what I know. God is at work in all things at all things and he's working together for for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose and not only is god at work and there is a purpose but there is also an end you know the sixth statement that jesus made he said it is finished john 19 30 it is finished and jesus wasn't talking about his life but he was talking about the curse of satan that listen you know death you 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 don't have anything on me anymore that you've conquered the grave and the cross, not just for himself, but for us as well. 
Death, where's your sting? No, no. It's not there. Second Corinthians, Paul stated to us, that's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. See, Satan wants you to think that it's over with. It's defeat. He wants you to bring you to a place of discouragement. And not realize that maybe what you're going through is something that God is allowing for you to walk through because there is a purpose that he wants to accomplish. But there's also an end to it. An end. The last lesson that we learn from Jesus is finally this. Surrender to God and to let go. And the seventh statement that Jesus made on the cross was this. Luke 23, 46. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last breath. How many of us are trying to work it all out on our own? How many of us are trying to fix things to make it better? How many of us are saying to God, God, I've got it under control, so will you just... Maybe stay over there. I'll call you if I need you. How many of us are spending all of our time trying to make things right with God and we're functioning out of works and out of our own efforts instead of the cross? See, when we're trying to establish this pattern of works to get back to God, what we're saying is that what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough. This was enough enough you know what a closed fist says do your fist like that for a second look at it what does a closed fist say sherry what does it say nothing can get in what does this say what's it say gail you can't receive anything what else does this say what tom I'm ready to fight. I'm hanging on. Listen, baby, I'm hanging on. Because this right here wasn't enough, so I'm going to hang on to it, and I'm going to stress, and I'm going to struggle, because it's all about me and what I'm able to do. It doesn't have anything to do with the cross. So I'm going to be a good religious person, and I'm going to work everything that I can, because what happened here wasn't enough. So I'm going to do everything I can, and I'm going to hold on to it, and I'm going to manipulate it, and I'm going to make it happen. What does this say? Receiving? Is there more freedom in this or more freedom in this? Yet how many of us live like this? And unwilling to lift our hands and to say, Jesus, will you take it? Will you bow your heads with me today? While your head's about, I want to ask you a question as Brian comes, and we're going to have a time of of invitation. I don't have any great stories to tell you to make you feel guilty. The only thing I have is the expectation that the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart right where you are today. 
Let me just ask you a question. How many of us have our hands grasped and holding on tight? And we're not saying it officially, but we're saying it behind the scenes. Jesus, what you did on the cross wasn't enough. How many of us are in that position? Maybe you're here today and, and, and you don't know Christ. Maybe you've never made a decision to trust him and to follow and obey him. But today you hear the Lord speaking and knocking at your door. Would you let me in? Trusting Christ begins with an acknowledgement, first of all, that we're sinners and that we're in need. There is no need when we have a closed fist. What we're saying with a closed fist is, I can handle it, Lord. I can do it. But how many people are here today and you've, up until this point, you've had life by the, by the collar and you've got a, a strong drip on it. But today you hear the Lord, you hear the Holy Spirit speaking, saying, let me in, let me in. The beginning steps of coming to God is first of all, acknowledging your sin. Second of all, realizing that Jesus, what he did on the cross, it wasn't partial, but it was complete. And coming to a place of saying, I want to trust, I humble myself and I submit myself, I acknowledge my need, I am thirsty. I need you, Jesus, will you save me? How many of us here today would say you're in that position? Man, I've gone to church, I've been baptized, I've done all the things in life that I should do, but I am so thirsty because I've settled for something that's that's not lasting and fulfilling but today I want to I want to come and I want to offer it all I want to want to open up my hands and say Jesus I submit and humble myself before you if you're here today and that's you praying a prayer doesn't save you but what it does is it vocalizes what it, it does it vocalizes really what's going on it's it's saying something like this and if you're here and you're wanting to trust christ maybe you would pray even today this prayer with me father jesus today i i recognize my sinfulness and man i have made a mess of things because i've tried to work it on my own but today i believe in the finished work of what jesus christ did on the cross I believe that Jesus died for me, and today I want to receive him. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so if that's you today, would you even call upon his name and say, Jesus, save me. Save me. Some of our overseers and some of their spouses and leaders are going to stand up front here. In just a minute, you're going to have an opportunity if, to come and say, listen, that's me. They're going to stand up front, and during this invitation time, if you're here and you're saying, I want to follow Jesus, man, listen, it'd be really easy to sit right there and to just be a name, but I'm praying that even this morning you'll find the strength to stand and to come, to stand with one of these overseers and their spouses or leaders that are here today to say, I want you to know that I want to trust Christ. Overseers, you come. But this invitation just isn't for those that are saying, I want to receive Jesus. This invitation is also for those of us that are believers here today that are holding on to some stuff. We've got our, our fists clenched 
we've trusted Christ, but all of a sudden, because of the, the things of life, we've, we've turned inward and we've said, God, I can, I can handle it right now, and yet we've been carrying this burden around. And for some, it's so overwhelming. Maybe you need to come today and to take one of those cards and to take that and nail it to the cross, to write on there, not your name, but just what that issue is. Lord, I'm giving my marriage to you. Father, I'm giving my parents to you. I've been praying for this or I've been experiencing this. I'm dealing with pornography or I'm, I'm dealing with an eating disorder or I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm dealing with, with drugs or alcohol or, or, or greed or jealousy or, or I've got bitterness in my heart, whatever it may be. God, today I want to recognize that what you did on the cross was enough and it was sufficient. That that price was paid in full. And as our invitation is, is it's, it's opened, maybe you would come today and just as a symbol of obedience that you would come and say, God, I, this is my desire. I'm nailing it to the just in a time of invitation and response if you're here and you said today I want to follow Jesus our overseers and some others are here up front standing and would you just go to them and say today I want to trust Christ I want to follow Jesus if you're here today and you're a believer and there's something you need to nail to the cross a prayer you need to pray this is an invitation that is open because God we want to be a responsive people listening for your voice Father, I pray for us now as we enter this time. May this be a special time. Father, a time of getting things right, making things right, coming before you as we examine our lives. Saying, Jesus, I don't want part, but I want it all. In Jesus' name. Will you stand as you come?